Welcome to another Sustainable Wine Blog podcast with me, Toby Webb. And joining me in today's podcast is Beth Vukmanik-Lopez, who is a program manager at Vineyard Team here in California. And we're standing in a vineyard in the, the shade of a Riesling vine, which is in wonderful, uh, I wouldn't say flower, but it's certainly got wonderful uh, foliage on it. So Beth, welcome to the podcast. And uh, why don't you tell us a bit more about where we are right now and then about what you guys are doing at, at Vineyard Team. Sure. Well, right now we're at Claiborne and Churchill standing in their vineyard, and they have a SIP certified vineyard out here, and that's the program that I manage at Vineyard Team. So Vineyard Team is a nonprofit, and we started back in 1994, and it was a group of farmers here on the central coast of California that really wanted to find ways to farm more sustainably. And so it was a really progressive thing to be doing back in the early 90s. And so they really started what is the foundation of our education programs that we continue with today. So they developed in 1996 the first self-assessment for sustainable vineyard farming called the Positive Point System. And that program has been used by... um, hundreds of growers and even by different ag operations like cattle and stone fruit to create their own self-assessments. And basically what it did is it gave a thousand point scale to different practices that you would have out in the vineyard. So it looked at how you took care of your habitat, how you managed water, how you took care of your employees. The farmers would assess their own practices and get a score out of a thousand at the end of the day. And then they would find practices along the way where they wanted to improve so they could do better. So they would improve their practices over the next year, come back, take the self-assessment, and try to improve their scores over time. And after doing that self-assessment for years, we found that people really did improve their practices over time. So they were using it as a tool to learn ways to farm better. And then there's always a little bit of uh, self-competition where people want to be able to, you know, include um, or improve that score over time. So... In the early 2000s, our grower group said, you know, there's a lot of sustainable claims out in the market on everything, on your produce, on your wine, on your cereal. And so what they wanted was a way to authenticate their own sustainable practices. So they said, you know, if we're going to say we're farming sustainably, we want a set of specific rules to go back to that a customer could go back to to know that our claim is authentic. So we took that self-assessment, the positive point system, and we really beefed it up to make sure that the questions were specific, measurable, and ultimately verifiable by a third-party inspector. So we took four years with a dedicated technical committee, and they reviewed all of those questions, and then launched what is now SIP certified in 2008. And a big part of that program is continuing to improve it. Sustainability is never going to be one goal. Uh, It's not static. It's always going to get better, and you're going to have new goals as science and technology evolve. So to this day, we still improve the program every single year. So that technical committee reviews a few chapters in full. And in addition to that, we send it out for external peer review every five years. So that would be to uh, experts from the Environmental Protection Agency um, or University Extension Advisors or someone who's a human resources manager. So that way we're always involving the latest information and making sure that our program stays top-notch. 
And how many members do you have at the moment? What's the, give our listeners a sense of the, the scale and reach that you have. Sure. Well, right now we have over 40,000 acres throughout the state of California that are SIP certified, and that's throughout the whole state. In addition to that, you can find wines that have the SIP certified logo on the label. So this is a really great way for consumers to know they're buying a sustainable wine on the store shelf. And we have over 2.5 million cases of wine that carry the SIP certified logo. And also last year, we piloted a winery certification program as well. Our original program really looked at vineyard practices, so what was actually going on out in the vines. So we brought that whole process into the winery. So we're looking at energy use, water use, um, how employees are educated, all in the winery. And right now we have two wineries that are in that certification. Great. And where do you stand on issues like chemical use? Because... Um, Peter Work, who I interviewed for this podcast uh, last year, who's a big fan, and a big advocate and a big player in, in what you guys do, mm-hmm. he was telling me that um, there are two levels of certification for organic for the vineyard and for the winery, and it's kind of complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things, of course, organics and in, in Europe with biodynamic certifications have in common is you know, no chemicals other than perhaps some sulfur additions. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys stand on the chemicals front? So SIP is a little bit different from an organic certification program. We do have a strict, restricted materials list in terms of pesticide use. So the main difference between organics and SIP is that in an organic program, you can use pesticides, but for the most part, they can't be synthetic or man-made. Within the SIP program, we do allow synthetic pesticides to be used, but they're all considered low-risk materials. So they're not uh, extremely harmful to the people who are using them or to the planet itself. And so that's a really unique and rigorous aspect of our certification. And who, and we do- who decides... Uh- who decides whether these chemicals are safe or, are safe or not? Because oh. obviously there's a, quite a big debate about, um, about chemical pollution in, in soil and its long-term effects on human health. I wonder, how do you, how do you decide what's, what's acceptable and what isn't? So we use, um, you know, the people who spend their time evaluating uh, chemicals and pesticides. So we would use the Department of Pesticide Regulation and the Environmental Protection Agency. So we aren't developing our own lists. We're using their existing lists for um, high-risk products. And so that creates our prohibited materials list. Okay. So um, I guess our next level evolution would be to talk to some of the environmental NGOs, I suppose, who would say that these these, uh, uh, government-sanctioned rules and regulations don't quite go far enough. Uh, is that something you guys would think about in the future, do you think? Well, that's definitely something that would be part of our you know, peer review process that would go every five years and getting you know, expert input from outside. Uh, and again, that all builds back into the program being ever-evolving. So as more technology and science comes about, we can improve our program and make it the best it can be over time. Great. Well, let's talk a bit about, um, uh, about water. Um, obviously, California has had a significant drought in the last few years, and then there's been a lot of rain, I think, this past winter, mm-hmm. um, which has caused some problems. Um, wh- how's it going in terms of um, water use uh, and, and, uh, and your membership? Because it must have been a very difficult last few years. Yeah, definitely it was. You know, the farmers are really, that we found, really conscientious about the, their water use because their, you know, ultimate goal is to create... Um, an environment where they can keep growing grapes successfully for a long time. So for them to misuse the resources doesn't make sense. It doesn't help them out. Mm. So 
you know, within our program, you have to use, um, you know, drip emitters, which really reduces, you know, the amount of water that you use. There's a ton of technology out there that our organization vineyard team has done education on in terms of measuring um, you know, water use in the, or water availability within the soil, within the plant. A big part of SIP certified is being proactive. So not just irrigating because it's the month of August. So making an informed decision. So that's why they would actually see how much soil is available in the soil, see how much water the plant actually needs and irrigate only on an as needed basis. And that can really um, lead to significant, you know, reductions and just more efficiencies. And what are the overall views, would you say, um, and perhaps I shouldn't ask you to characterise overall views of your members, but yeah, the, the, I, I guess the, the, the mood music around the debate about, well, not really a debate, I suppose, the conversation around what do we do about, about climate change. A lot of the winemakers I meet, in fact, almost every winemaker I've ever interviewed has been very concerned about climate change and alcohol levels. Mm -hmm. Is that reflected here in, in, uh, with your members? Well, I think in terms of climate change, you know, looking more on the farmer side, there's a lot of ways that they've created efficiencies over time to help reduce, you know, their own impacts. So, you know, you see a ton of ATVs now. So instead of firing a up a tractor, ATV? oh, an ATV is like a small kind of like a, I guess it looks a little bit like a golf cart with big okay. wheels, you know, <laughs> electric, electric vehicle. Yeah, electric vehicle. Yeah. Okay. So now, like I suppose my point was, are they, are they really, are they concerned about the, their own future with rising temperatures and weather volatility and so on is that something that comes up a lot in in meetings because in, in certain areas of france that they're very concerned about alcohol levels becoming almost uncontrollable at some point uh, so i wondered if there's been a, a conversation about that with with your guys huh i don't know if i've had a specific conversation about alcohol levels with our members you know usually it's more on you know, creating specific reductions within the field itself or within the winery itself, okay. um, because ultimately that's going to help with, you know, any extra emissions that they might be creating by combining tractor passes or simple things make a huge difference. I was just down the hill the other day at Shamazal, and they said that they evaluated their energy use in the winery and they replaced out their light bulbs to LEDs. And they said the savings was un believable it i mean it paid for itself within a really short period of time so even simple things like that you know they take some proactivity but i think it's something that you know farmers and winemakers in this area are very conscientious about and looking for ways to do better okay and with the sip certified scheme my understanding is you guys are kind of at the top end of uh of standards in terms of what you're asking and then there are other standards which are perhaps trying to include everyone and and gradually change things for the better and there are some concerns i think about calling things sustainable when they're five or ten percent better than they were and we know most agriculture is at the moment and alas still pretty unsustainable how do you um how do you know that your members are doing what they say they're doing because um, this is always the challenge isn't it the uh, the audit and the information flow yeah, well, that was the whole point of creating a third-party independent certification, and that's why our growers asked for it back in the early 2000s. So the way that our program works is, you know, the farmer has to implement and document, document and the winemakers too, who are going through the, the winery certification, all of their practices. And then we have third-party auditors, so they're not employees of the vineyard team or SIP certified, because then you'd be rubber stamping your own program. Yeah. So they're completely independent from us. And so they go out to the vineyard or the winery and verify all of the documentation and the actual practices that are in place. And we do audits uh, every single year on the 
farmers and the winemakers that are in the certification program. So that is the way that we validate that, you know, if someone says they're SIP certified and our rules are XYZ, the auditor is saying, all right, we've seen that they're doing, you know, XYZ practices. So they turn up and do an, 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 a pre-arranged audit looking at paperwork and that kind of thing. Is that... We have various types of audits. So it runs on a three-year cycle. Uh, Whenever a winery or a vineyard is in cycle one, the auditor is looking at all of the documentation. So back in the day, now we're in a database, which is much um, more concise, but they used to have binders, a three-ring binder, and they would end up with like a six-inch binder filled with documentation, you know, by the time that they were done. So it's a lot of work that they're doing to go through the program. So cycle one, they would the auditor would look through all of that documentation and do an on-site visit. In cycles two and three, they usually have an off-site documentation inspection, but we also build in spot checks. So some of those vineyards and wineries would still get an on-site inspection as well. Plus we do impromptu. So there's going to be someone every year who doesn't know they're getting an on-site inspection oh, okay. who does get an on-site inspection. And of course, the, uh, they never know whether or not it could be them. Exactly. Right? They never know. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the the criticisms that's been leveled at certification schemes in agriculture generally is scalability versus integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a universal challenge no matter which commodity you look at. And I'm, I'm sure it's similar in wine. Given that you guys are pretty rigorous from what I understand, what are the barriers to you, to you guys becoming um, a much larger scale operation with a large scale impact? Well, in terms of scalability, you know, with the vineyards and that are currently certified, we actually have a pretty wide range of size. I mean, right now we're in a two-acre vineyard property that's certified. We also certify with a company that has 11,000 acres. Mm -hmm. So it does work on different sized operations. Um, In terms of, you know, getting bigger, part of being a rigorous certification program is that you can't also have the same goal of certifying everyone because then you wouldn't be able to stand apart and create a differentiating program. So certifying everyone would never be the goal of SIP certified. Okay, so you want to permanently raise the bar, create something for everybody, everybody to aspire to. Yeah. Or more and more wineries to aspire to. Exactly, yeah. So okay. creating something that's going to help differentiate that vineyard or that winery by saying they are really doing, you know, the top-notch certification program to be sustainable. Okay. And you're, you, we spoke earlier before I turned the tape on about your reach, and it's sort of Monterey down here towards Santa Barbara, so you're sort of central coast winemakers is your core well, audience. Yeah, right? SIP certified is actually statewide. So we have certified acres up from starting in Napa, uh, Sonoma, Lake County, all the way down through Santa Barbara County. The vineyard team's educational programs uh, primarily hit that Monterey to Santa Barbara County grower group. Okay. Except for our, our two-day event that I was talking about earlier, the Sustainable Ag Expo, and that actually does draw from throughout the whole state. Okay. And there's a huge variety of uh, grapes varietals grown here you know almost everything seems to be grown here absolutely a lot of Syrah a lot of Pinot Noir there's Cabernet further north down here it seems to be more like your own varietals of you know Grenache and some more Vedra Mm -hmm. um what's what's your favorite uh wine to drink around here I mean what's your go-to uh producer where you Oh, we'll gosh. We'll pick up a bottle for a Friday night. That's always such a hard question. I don't have a favorite. I feel like I go through phases of what I'm into. You know, when it gets hot, I like a nice, um, cool white wine. Or, you know, the other day I was drinking some lovely Paso wine from Halter Ranch, like some nice big reds. So I'm uh, I'm always changing my mind on what I feel like when it comes to wines. <laughs> Depends on the mood. <laughs> exactly. Great. Beth, thank you so much for your time today. Sure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.